Folks, it was a red river for the ages. We'll talk about all of that and more on the latest episode of the Scooter Pod. Let's hit that intro music. Bobby. No, 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 no. This isn't. Okay. It, that's ridiculous. It literally wasn't letting me unmute. Hello. <laughs> it was literally not. The button was there and it wouldn't let me do it. It's ridiculous. Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me hosting, as always, it's the great Ty Lee and the doctor himself, Jameson Maxwell. And guys, that was one of the best OU Texas games ever that we've uh, definitely seen um, a remarkable OU win 34 to 30 down to the wire. Incredible, incredible ball game. Um, and guys, I'm honestly kind of at a loss for words. This is a hard thing. We, we have seen our fair share of, of classics. Uh, 21, you know, was, was definitely one uh, same with like, I feel like ever since we've started this podcast, we've gotten almost nothing but great OU Texas games. Mm-hmm. Other than, last year's debacle uh, just another uh, incredible incredible football game yeah put those horns up in the sky come on i want to see those horns up come <laughs> oh, on God. come on oh, ty God. i know oh, you like putting God. the horns up in the sky give me give me a double i don't up. i don't know why you're once again we'll discuss it on the weekend spread but it, you know Bowden blake and i the only true ou fans we thought that OU would win no no no, no. But, uh, that's Look, for wednesday i made i made i made the sacrifice that you know mm-hmm. i didn't want to make but uh, no. I did. It's a kiss no, of death, Bobby. No, don't do, don't 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 hedge it. Don't hedge no, no, no. it. We did <laughs> not think Oklahoma was going to win or cover. That is totally fine. We didn't believe it. And let me tell you something. This team proved to us that what we saw in the beginning of the season is legitimately who they are. They proved me wrong. I knew they were good. I didn't realize they were going to keep it up from what we saw and actually play it out for a whole four quarters versus a top three team in the nation. Yeah. I mean, it really looks like we ran out of steam there in that fourth, honestly, um, where there's a, there's a moment where, you know, it was right after that last Texas drive to that, where they ended up kicking that field goal to take the lead. And just overall, you just felt this shift that, Oh, the offense isn't going to get it done because they hadn't really had success other than that, uh, you know, opening touchdown of that, of the half. You could just tell that, you know, the defense was getting gashed. It just was like, it's just not, they're just not going to have enough steam. Texas woke up. They're going to get this thing over the line, but wow. What a resilient, incredible performance across the board uh, from the Sooners. Just unreal. I will say on, on that note, Bobby, I mean, it was a hard, hard game. And, you know, anyone who's watched football for any amount of time knows that, you know, towards the end of the game, the defenses will get gassed a little faster than the offenses. Uh, when I went and rewatched some highlights, uh, obviously the OU offense had a lot of trouble making things really click and making making things really happen in the second half of the game as a whole. But the you know, both defenses, I think, looked equally gassed when you really go back and, and watch the tape. We had some really goofy 
play calling, but once you got towards the end of the game, I mean, you could see on both sides, just how I'm sure if as a Texas fans must have been screaming at their TVs and at the game at that last drive, just seeing a guy completely uncovered and seeing everyone just being sort of a, a step slow, which is the exact thing that I saw, you know, like a minute earlier, like he talked about on, you know, Texas's last touchdown drive and then their, their drive that ended in a field goal. Uh, I thought we were screwed because everyone just looked so gassed out there and they just couldn't keep up with the offense. But it, go back and rewatch it. Same thing's happening on the Texas side. See, here's the thing. And you say, and you're saying that, Ty, like whenever you play a team as talented and as good as Texas, there's going to be ebbs and flows of the game. We're talking like, you know, Bobby, you're like, oh, I was disappointed the way that OU played in the second half. Looks like they didn't have as much gas. We were playing an absolutely stellar team. So even though we looked like the best team for about 90% of that game, yeah, we're disappointed in that 10% where we didn't. And that 10% almost lost us the game. But the way that we controlled the narrative for the majority of this game until that last couple two drives before our game-winning drive, you know, that is something to really hang our hat on and to be really proud of because this was not a game like two years ago where we beat Texas or we had to have a massive comeback and have a lot of momentum. You know, it's not like the quadruple overtime game. This was a game where we controlled it for the majority of the game. We had it and then it slipped away from us for a little bit, but we were good enough to recover and win the game. Right. And I, I don't want to say I was disappointed in the play because Texas is good. That 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 is evident that this is not a bad Texas team. I thought the Longhorns, you know, came out and did you know provide a really good performance. It just you it was just one of those where you, you know when you're watching your team and you just have that sinking feeling in your gut that you're just like, oh man, this thing just probably isn't going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the feeling I I was getting, and I was wrong. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it, that that Gabriel drive to to ice the ball game at the very end astonishing kind of out of nowhere but truly incredible and you know again even defensively the you know the grit to you know make sure texas doesn't score touchdown on that last drive um there there it wasn't i'm not saying it was bad it was just you you could kind of tell that momentum was shifting and texas had finally gotten under you know everything kind of under control but that was a game that Look, I'm going to be honest with the amount of mistakes that Texas made that we kind of didn't capitalize on. And I'm not trying to sound ungrateful. I'm not trying to act like this is, you know, a bad performance. It was an incredible performance. Oh, you could have won this game by several touchdowns easily. This mm-hmm. well, yeah, like this could have been this could have been a really, really like resolute win. OU was the better team, I think, by far. Yeah, I, Bobby, you have a good point that I, I've been hanging on to this talking point since we started. Um, first one little point I think Texas I don't know that they really made that many mistakes that first interception by by yours was just inexcusable I have no idea why he why he threw that but like when I look at the turnovers OU created those those were good plays smart plays even the fumble that was you know how you're to he put his face mask on the football you know as he went in for a fundamental tackle and that's what that's what happens when you do things right so you know, I don't know that there's that many massive, massive mistakes from Texas that just Texas created that we just happen to have fall into our lap because I truly think that all of those big mistakes, you know, the ones we didn't capitalize on as well, but, you know, our defense created those. You know, if you're yeah. pointing at, at the mistakes, obviously there were some mistakes by Texas defenses sometimes. You know, is that play calling? Is that a genuine, you know, guy getting burned? But 
the big thing I wanted to touch on was this game felt like the first OU game for me in a long time where OU was facing a team who everyone expected them to be significantly better than, than OU. And OU won it by just being a good fundamental team. And the part of that was because we were able to get them on their back foot right away with that great interception and then immediately capitalize on that and put them on their back foot. But Texas's first touchdown was off of several trick plays, you know, go, going for it on fourth, a fake punch, the, the like pump everything block. else. Yeah. But we, you just can't say. Their if first touchdown the was the pump block. It was their, that first drive of their, theirs getting that far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was first, all. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they, well, yeah, the fake punt, the, and then I, no, I'm with yeah. you. I see where you're going. going well, the first where I'm offensive going with this touchdown, is, I got what yeah, you're saying. The first offense didn't drive, have yeah. to do. We didn't have to do gimmicks. We didn't have to do, you know, a bunch of trick plays or whatever else. We went out there. We played basic, fundamental offense and defense the entire time, and we won the game. And I think more impressively, like you touched on at the start of the pod, Bobby. We saw a product from this OU team against a very, this is so a very, very good Texas team. We saw a product from this OU team. It was the same product that we saw against Missouri State and everything else. So there's no, you know, Lincoln Riley or whatever else, like not going to get up for a big game or we're going to be really gimmicky or we're going to be super emotional and crash. This was very consistent. And this is, I think, not to get ahead of ourselves the type of team that if we continue to build will be in contention for national championships. I'm not saying this year, but that's the type of football we need to yeah. see. It's great to see under Venables. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it, we played a complete game. That's what it is. Well, we showed before this game, our strengths, we played to our strengths. We continued to show that our secondary was coming into this game tied for most interceptions right off the bat. We get to, you know, two interceptions, and then a fumble later from a secondary player. Our cornerbacks and safeties are absolutely playmakers. You know, Gentry Williams goes down with an injury. We'll see that how like that goes through. The bye weeks can be really helpful. But that safety room with Billy Bowman playing absolutely amazing this year. And also Peyton Bowen coming into his form and absolutely already being a force as the number three, number four guy out of the safety room. We have so many guys who are out there trying to make plays that are so athletic that every single game this season, we are going to have a big time play from someone in the secondary that is going to change the game. And it's unbelievable because we've never had something like that. And honestly, can we talk about that in our lifetime? Maybe a couple times, but for our lifetime, very, very rare to have what we have in the secondary. I mean, it's you have to go back to guys like Derek Strait, you know. Like yep, early, that's what it is. That's that's why 2000s. I hesitated. It, yeah, it, Mike Stoops. Right. Mike Stoops defense. Well, Mike, Mike, yeah, a little bit of Mike Stoops, a little bit of Brent. You know, first, back in their co DCs. Yeah, like it. It feels like a classic early two thousands defense. Um, you know, secondary wise, this is it's it's different. It and it just truly unreal to see. Um, and I, I you got to give credit to guys who have been there for a while, who have been coached up, right? You know, Woody Washington, Billy Bowman, you know, th- those aren't exact, those aren't Brent Venable's Man, products Woody's exactly. So good, but oh my gosh. Um, and it's, it's one of those where like, yeah, if you look at the numbers, like it, if, if you just wanted to look at the sheets, the stats, all that, it might not look appealing. You know, Texas did put, you know, over 500 yards of offense on us, you know, a lot of uh, passing yards, but it works. It, 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 what the bit, the Brent Venables kind of bend, don't break 
system setup, it, it, it absolutely works. It's, it's, um, it's a, it's, it's a, it's an event that gets results. Um, damn the stats, throw them out the window. It, it, it gets shit, done, gets stuff done. Yeah, it is. It's an interesting defense to see play out because obviously, you know, we saw it, it creates a lot of, and I feel like the stats don't actually bear this out, but maybe just being a, a frustrated OU fan, especially in the second half, we were very good at creating third down situations. I, I feel like Texas was very good at, at sort of converting on third downs, even though I think they weren't actually statistically that good on that. And then obviously the fourth downs um, were pretty frustrating um, as well. But yeah, this this bend-don't-break defense, whether we're doing it on purpose, obviously is working. Holding this Texas team to 30 points I think is a very, very impressive feat. Um, even with viewers having potentially an off game, depending on how you want to look at it. But it's, I, I like this defense. I, and I like the bend don't break, whether it's on purpose or not, because it does seem like a, you know, a situation where let's kind of ignore some of the stats. Let's ignore the noise and just produce results. It doesn't matter how many yards they put up on us. You know, the reverse Iowa thing, offensive yardage, it literally is the most overrated stat because if you're not turning them into points, you know, if you're putting it into the red zone, and then you have four plays to get a single yard and you just can't do it on this defense, that is just, you know, that's what matters. They can drive all the way down there and get it to the one-yard line. doesn't matter. Like, you know, we're going to stop you. And I think that play is just so, so important too because plays like that or or stands like that on the one-yard line are – when you show people they're possible, that's what you get that extra effort from people. You get the DBs, you know – trying not to let that guy run away with it. Like, so what if I only tackle him with the three, you know, and they get a 75 yard pass. If I stop the touchdown, you know, it, it might matter that type of thing. So that was, I mean, that was the the sequence of the game. I can't think of a time that, Oh, you had a, a big, I think like 10, 12 years ago, there was like a, a goal line stand in Bedlam or something like that is the last time I, I remember a, a goal line stand of conversion. that magnitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, Ty, I'm, totally with you and i'll put it this way that defensive goal line stand feels like brent venables has coached 19 games that feels like the most significant uh sequence of all of his entire tenure here that was so remarkable so energizing to stop them four straight times on the one like that like it was it was unreal Uh, like I, my my soul left my body in the Cotton Bowl. It was genuinely one of the most unreal uh, goal line stands. It, it, it's up there with some of the best in Sooner history. You, know, you go back to like the 2003, you know, Bedlam one is up there. Um, I believe there's what there. A lot of people were talking about like 84 Nebraska uh, up there with that. Mm-hmm. But what it symbolizes and what it signifies. It matters more than all of them because it shows that this team from a confidence standpoint is back from an aggressiveness standpoint is back. It, it shows that this unit, it, what, what it has become in such a short period of time, it embodies toughness. It embodies just everything. Texas threw the damn kitchen sink at OU. They had what Jatavion sweat out there as a lead blocker. None of it mattered. Their size, their, their strength, all of it didn't matter because our will was great. The OU will was greater than their will. And they mm-hmm. just truly unbelievable. Um, you know, a lot of plays happened after that, but I, I would, I'd be go, I'd go as far as say that uh, they won the game on that drive right there. That was mm-hmm. incredible. 
Yeah, they prevented themselves from losing the game with that drive. That's what it was. <laughs> you know, um, like having a goal line stop is a huge feat. But really, it showed, you know, like defense is, a lot of it is the defense and making a stop, but also it's the offense kind of shooting themselves in the foot. You know, a poor play here and there that gets them behind. A one-yard line, first and goal, that is a stop from the defensive end. You know, Texas did everything they should have. They ran the correct place, but we continued to be there and we continue to make stops. This was not given to us. We went out and took it four downs in a row. And that shows you how impressive it is. Like, Bobby, you know, we are so aggressive and confident. I, when was a defense this confident for OU in our history? And I keep saying that. I'm really putting into a bird's-eye perspective. Like, we are in a place and a headspace right now as a football team that we haven't been since, I would even say, like 2008. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not there. saying we're as good. There's other teams that were better than us before, after that, but I'm saying in a headspace because, you know, even those Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray teams, like they had their deficiencies on the defensive end, right? You know, we still had some like problems with our, with our confidence, but in terms of what our headspace is with the defensive team, like I, it's hard for me to think of another time. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, they just have this swagger, this air to it. If you're watching live on YouTube, I mean, Look at look at look at the thumbnail I used. Ethan Downs getting in Quinn Ewer's face. They were just all over them, and you know it's 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 different. You know when you when you when you have that confidence, you have that energy about yourself that you know you know you're good. You know what you're doing. It's a total 180 from last year where they didn't know the system. They didn't know what they were doing. They probably didn't feel good about themselves. This one doesn't feel like that at all. Like. Yeah, they're not going to be perfect, but they're going to give this effort and energy that, you know, you have to have confidence on on defense or else you can't perform. It is not a football is not a game for people who are timid or meek. You you have to be confident. And this defense is absolutely confident. And just just you just feel that you, I'm with you. I'm with you, Jameson. You just feel it. Yeah, I mean, you, you all are absolutely right, but it's, you know, it's. I, I'm a big believer that there's not really a way to trick people into confidence, you know, not in the long term, certainly. Like, yeah, maybe you could have tricked this defense into thinking that they're really, really good, and that would have lasted maybe one drive. You know, even if by by accident you get that interception on that terrible throw, would have lasted. it would not have lasted you through the first quarter. I mean, this this confidence is not from, you know, obviously coaching is is part of it, but they just understand that they are good and they understand that if they just go out there and execute, follow the plays, we might give up some here or there. That's the nature of college football. And that's the nature of, of just sort of football right now with a lot of the, the different schemes and everything that people are running. But that, that confidence to know that if we go out there and just execute what we're supposed to do and do it right down from just the fundamentals of tackling to carrying out the play, to adjusting the play, as the offense motions around that we will carry the day and we will come out with a win, even against a, you know, a big team like this. I think that's so, so, so um, important because you just can't, I mean, that's not an Alex Grinch versus Brent Venables or anyone else think because a, you know, a, a motivational speech before the game will only get you so far. Otherwise Colorado would have already secured the title. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, 
There you go. I, I think usually the way we structure these podcasts, is we kind of bring up players that we were really impressed of, but kind of like it, like to put a bow on our overweening defensive talk is usually we find, we have certain deficiencies in this defense, but at all levels of this defense, I saw great, great things. You know, the defensive ends has been a big weak point for us this season. And I've been one of the biggest people clamoring that I'm really concerned about it. Man, did they prove me wrong in a big game. Ethan Downs in this graphic right here, Bobby, absolutely stellar. I've seen it everywhere across all different platforms. His best game as a Sooner. Easily, he just dominated the offensive line. This is not an easy offensive line to dominate. He just out-muscled every single one of those offensive linemen and shown him he's just a grown man. And the way that he changed the whole, you know, like, you know, we don't, we're not used to OU having a pass rush. He changed that. Him and Rondell Bothright on the side had absolutely amazing games. Yeah, and I mean, before the game, like that was one of our, just the entire season, you know, one of our biggest talking points is the D-line isn't getting enough pressure. What's it going to be like when they play a line like mm-hmm. Texas? And they, they, they had their best game of the season against the toughest O-line they've played all year. It, it was incredibly remarkable. They showed out. Uh, Ethan Downs, I mean, have yourself a game, young man. You know, that was absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. You know, and, and he, he, like, Quinn Ewers was not, like, he was feeling the pressure all game long. It was it was very impressive. What, what we just out-muscled him is what it is. You know, like, usually we're concerned because, you know, Rondell Bothroyd and Ethan Downs aren't the fastest end rushers. No, they aren't. But we just dominated the physicality on the line. You know, Texas's offensive and defensive line are so powerful. And to be able to win the, our defensive line versus their offensive line battle was so, so huge for this game that it won't get talked about enough. And I don't, I, I agree. I, I mean, they definitely like outmuscled them, but I think in a way it, and I know sometimes people do this and I, I, I get a little annoyed when it is, when, when people use this as kind of the reason why people win things. But OU wanted this more. That defensive line wanted it more. They they looked desperate. They looked, you know, like that that type of ferocity that you know you you just can't match. If if you, if you can't match it, you're going to lose out. It doesn't matter how strong you are, how many stars you have. If you're if if the other guy wants it more than you, he'll blow you off the ball. And I think overall, it, like across the board, you can tell this OU team really wanted it. Mm-hmm. Um, OU Texas is a game that both sides usually go into on a different degree, but as we've kind of heard, as you know, uh, post game coverage has come out and stuff, this is a team that really like had this game circled. Um, apparently, Smitty was having them do 49 medicine ball, um, like 49 reps of medicine ball workouts, uh, yeah, you had to every Tuesday, every Tuesday since, since uh, last year's Red River to. Uh, signified the 49 nothing loss you could tell this one meant a lot to you and the d-lines just energy and you know just they they wanted it they just would have kicked their ass it's incredible yeah i i think beyond that i do you know you touched on coaching in in terms of physical preparation but i think especially when it comes to the d-line's ability to to rush and put pressure we really saw you know, the effect of all of that planning prior to, especially when it comes to watching tape. I mean, obviously you can't just, you know, 
the D line has the same sort of goal every play, but but you can't like just try to rush every every everyone every single play. Like it makes sense on paper, you know. Why don't we just everyone blitz every single snap? But there is it sort of a perfect amount of pressure and then backing off and coverage and everything else. It seems like we dialed up just the perfect amount of pressure. And I think I saw Timothy mentioning it um, in the chat here a few minutes ago. Just pressure on the quarterback. Uh, really caused us to do well. And I, I think we took Texas sort of off guard. You could tell that when it came down to watching tape, preparing, you know, reading what the other team was going to do and then preparing for it on both sides of the ball, our defense matched up against their offense. We were very, very, very well prepared when it came to the game plan. And when it came to dialing up just the exact perfect amount of pressure to put on yours in the perfect moments, as the game went on, you know, snap after snap after snap after snap, we just, you know, obviously we gave up 30 points. We gave up over 500 yards, but that's that bim, but don't break. And we were just, I don't think we could have played any better when it came to the game plan against this Texas offense. And you really saw that. And just again, shout out to, to the coaching there from the physical preparation to that. We just seem so well coached on the defense and like touched on so much buy-in, so much belief. Uh, it's it's really amazing to see. Yeah, Absolutely. the interior of the D line played so well too. Like we're we're shouting out, you know, Bothroyd and Ethan Downs because they got a lot of the plays. Dude, Jacob Lacey looked good. He's just been such a quiet killer this season. Isaiah Coe, great game. Let me tell you something. I cannot stop seeing Jordan Kelly. And whenever you have a guy that big in the middle of your defensive line and he is showing up all over your screen, another really great game and i'm gonna keep on saying like dejon terry like he got hurt but other than that he was out there just destroying people he was moving and getting to exactly where you want whenever you have him the biggest guy on the field most of the time you know out there just moving people man man i was just i'm just so proud of this defensive line because i've just been so worried about them in terms of our ceiling as a football team and if we play like that in big games obviously we only have pretty much one big game for the rest of the season and that's the big 12 championship game if we get more play like that when the big 12 championship game comes i'm not trying to be that guy that jinx it but it looks like it at the point where it would something would have to go drastically wrong in today's big 12 if we don't make the big 12 championship game I feel very good about our defensive line unit now compared to how I felt last week. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they have to stay focused and they have to keep bringing it every week after week. But I mean, it, I don't see, I don't see two losses uh, on the remainder of the schedule between now and December 2nd. Uh, I mean, look, it's college football. Anything can happen, but let, let's just be real. Um I don't know. The, 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 I, I, I see like maybe two such two teams that can beat us. But I don't think we. I don't think we lose to the either of them. Uh, I think. I think Kansas poses challenges, and I think West Virginia. And that's like it. And that's saying something, um, because I and don't even. We're at Kansas, which is scary because Kansas has been kind of sneaky at home. But we have West Virginia at home. Yeah, we we should win both of those games. Like I, mm-hmm. yeah, like both of those games should be OU wins. I, but I, I'm not saying we. Those are like the games that I have in question. The rest, I think, OU clears pretty pretty easily. Mm-hmm. If they, yeah. I mean, if they show up with with intention and effort, you know, and don't don't sleepwalk. If you, you can get beat by anyone if you sleepwalk, obviously. But um, yeah. Anyways, I, I we can talk a little bit more about that. You later. Do game balls for defense. I wanted to bring up Jaron Canick. Oh yeah, oh, I mean he God. was he was all over the field, and he's just got so much speed. 
Yeah, I mean, he was he was excellent. Um, Stutzman, I, I mean, he wasn't bad or anything, but I think of the two, Kanek was just remarkable. Yeah, Stutzman did better than Kanek, but still, that's just Stutzman. Yeah, okay, sure, fine. Uh, I mean, I I, I feel like Kanek kind of, you know, lost a little bit of steam towards the end, but I mean, early on, he was all over the place. It was great. Um, he ha- he definitely had one of his. I think maybe the middle grounds here, in my opinion, is Stutzman went out and did the. He performed the game that he always performs. Whereas I, I think Kanek had a, you know, really really good performance statistically. Mm-hmm. I think one of his best performances, actually maybe his best performance, especially if you adjust for for competition that he's ever had. So that's fair. I, I think I think Ty is cur- actually has the per- perfect take there. That's that's probably right. Um, but yeah, let's move on to game balls, Jameson. Who do you like? This one has been tough for me um, because I want to be different, but you just can't. It's Ethan Downs. It really is. There's no one else you can talk about. I mean, I would give Billy Bowman a slight you know, nod here as an option, but Ethan Downs, the way he changed this game at a position of need, you know, Billy Bowman is already a strength that we identify in the safety room. We have guys out there making plays, and it's still great that he's making plays, but the defensive end position, we needed someone to come out there and make big-time plays, and he did it. As simple as that. Ethan Downs is um, the definite game ball for this. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and go with Billy Bowman for my defensive game ball. I mean, I, I kind of wish I could do it for, for the secondary as a whole because I, I just want to touch on, you know, I'll give it to Bowman, but I do want to mention that for basically everything but maybe the last 10, 7, 10 minutes of the game, Texas's receivers were just kind of, you know, almost nowhere to be found. Obviously, they had that tight end that just had like the Harry Potter invisibility yeah, cloak on every time <laughs> he went out on the field and would just completely be uncovered. And we would be like, oh, how did that, you know, oh, no, that was six Hill. five guy yeah. end up with Sanders the ball right healthy, in the middle of the think. field? Yeah, but um, I'll give it to Billy Bowman. I, I think that's a good pick. And I think it's, it, it's lame to say this, but I, I think it really was the whole defense as a unit. Oh, Bobby. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not actually going to do that. You say, but, you know, I think this is going to be lame. And I was like, oh, he's just going to say, you know, no, Ethan Downs. I, 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 the, as a defense. unit, as a unit, they, it was we so went out, they went out there and they executed and they played well. They put their head down and put their foot in the dirt and they played hard. Come on, Bobby. Give no, me, no, give no, me no. some takes. Can I'm, can no, I I'm going to give takes. I just want to talk about this. Let's, <laughs> let me get, let me talk about it. So, Look, it just the, the whole defense just played so complimentary to each other. It just worked. Um, Ty, what were you saying earlier? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say, can I mulligan mine? Where are you gonna mulligan? I'll let I'll let you I'll let you finish yours. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. I mean, it it just the, as a whole, it, it's hard to pick standouts because everyone played their role perfectly. Everyone stepped up. Um, I'm gonna give it to Kanek. You know, I I I, I feel like just you know over you know, what he normally does. It was a standout performance, obviously not perfect. I think he, you know, had, 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 a, had some lulls here and there, but overall it, it showed me a sign that, look, this guy is going to be really, really good down the line. Once he gets more games like this in his belt, I think next year he will be just insanely elite. Um, but just an incredible performance giving or given that he hasn't really gotten, um, a ton of big game experiences. I mean, he popped into Red River last year, but it was a disaster at that point. Um, so I'm going to give it to Kanek because, you know, you can't give it to the full unit. Um, but, you know, if the whole defense just played remarkable, it's it's hard to pick one. 
Yeah. So I'm I'm actually gonna mulligan mine. I'm gonna I'm gonna change up on it. My OU defensive game ball has to go to Quinn Ewers. Easily the most there. important quarterback <laughs> since De'Eric King, uh, who was robbed of the Heisman uh, several years, <laughs> I will say. But uh, yeah, I do, I do not understand the hype of uh, of Quinn Ewers. You know, had to have to get our jabs in even in victory. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't understand the hype beyond the beyond the turnovers in this one because like that fumble, I, I don't know that there's anyone could have done anything about that. Like, yeah, if you just have a tackle that perfect, like it's yeah. probably going to come out. The first interception, that was a hundred percent on him. I that's you know, I don't know what was going on there, but I, I just he, even he had one read games, and he didn't want to throw that and he, you could see it in his follow through. He like was halfway through and he was just like, Oh, this is miserable. Yeah. And yeah. look, I, I'm with he's like the Mac Jones of college football. <laughs> hey, it's a legend Oof. right there. I and I will say, like, you know, Teddy Lehman got a lot of you know, a lot of smoke on Twitter for saying that he like He's like, I, I think Quinn Ewers just isn't that remarkable. And I, I think he was right. He's uh, he's just kind of okay. Like, he's good. He's a good quarterback. He played a good defense and he struggled for a little bit of it, but still showed some good things. Like, let's let's not walk it back and say he's not good. Like, I'm not saying like, he's not good. I just said he's not great. There's a difference between being good and great. What's your I, definition of great? Great is being able to essentially perform outside of just the offense like be you can to, do that. transcend that yeah but not you did, all you the did, time. didn't he, not all the time great players i mean it's like that. every time that's, it's like basically like, every time i the exceptional players will do that every single game you know that's like you can only name like two or three of those guys on the offensive side of the ball in college football right now yeah i mean i'm i, I think he's good i just don't think he's he just he's just not great to me i i don't know he, he has he has inconsistent moments where he's you know, just, you know, not great. You know, he doesn't have that air of greatness to me. He, he, he has a couple moments. Look, and I, I'll go ahead and say it too. I don't think Dylan Gabriel is great. He has moments of being great, but he is not great overall. He's just pretty good. I think Quinn mm. Ewers is also pretty good. Yeah, they're the same conversation. I think, I think Dylan Gabriel and Quinn Ewers are in the same tier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's right. I promise I would not say anything bad about Dylan Gabriel. If we Here he goes. Game. Come on, which you have we to did. atone for your sins. Which we did. Which we did. But, but saying that Quinn Ewers and Dylan Gabriel are in the same conversation is the biggest jab at Quinn Ewers that I've ever heard anyone say ever. Because he's supposed to be like a god tier Caleb Williams Heisman level. You know, he's gonna be the next though. Tom Brady when he gets. I know that. he's not. Right. That's my whole point. People say some are saying. Some are saying that he is. I'm saying he's not. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I think people going are going a little too far with the you know Gabriel Heisman hype. Uh, I think he had a hell of a performance. Though. No, I was talking yeah. about. I was talking about no. yours. Yours. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't think yours is on that level. Um, I, I I've stated that for a good while that I I don't think he's quite there. Um, but um, yeah, no, I I I think they're in kind of the same tier. But on Saturday, Dylan Gabriel was a legend. Uh, absolute incredible performance from him. And we'll, this is the it's what we call a segue in the in the industry, folks. Um, so yeah, uh, twenty uh, twenty three for 30, 38, uh, 285 passing yards. But where he really made the difference was through the running game. Fourteen carries, hundred thirteen rushing yards, two overall touchdowns, and then that obviously just remarkable final drive. He just you know smooth operator. Um, getting us just operating that entire 
drive. It was, it was unreal. It was it, it was by far his best game in an OU uniform. Second week in a row, we've said that really. And he just looks more and more confident. He looks, it looks like a totally, I don't want to say a totally different quarterback, but the biggest issue with Gabriel last year was his, his inability to handle pressure in big moments. And he just, he just doesn't have that, that fear anymore about him. I, I don't think, um, cause he was pressured a lot. Like the, the Texas D line was in the backfield quite a bit, but he, the way he handled it, the way, you know, when he knew that pocket was collapsing to just squeak through at the right time, instead of getting sacked or panicking and making that one little hesitation that he would last year that would end up getting him hit or fumbling or whatever. He didn't do that. He stepped up and made the moments or made the plays when he needed to make the plays. And that, that is to me, the biggest sign of growth um, from this year to last year. Ty, I need you bit aside, no bits, just truth straight from your brain. And I want truth. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in Dylan Gabriel as Oklahoma's quarterback? Do you believe that he's going to be a successful quarterback for us this season that you believe in? Do you need a one word answer? Can you get like, like can I? I would that? love a yes or a no it. and then an explanation, please. Yes, because I've seen that he is not the problem, right? Here's here's how I think about Dylan Gabriel, and this is not a bit. This is a serious analogy. It's the best way that I can think of describing it, right? If I want to go to, I don't know, New York City for New Year's Eve, you know, and watch the ball drop and whatever else, people still do that, right? Mm-hmm. I would like to take a private jet there, but if, like, United is going to get me there in economy class. The thing that matters is that I get there, right? Dylan Gabriel, he might be like an economy class. He's not, he's not like, like spirit. No, 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 he's not like no. spirit or something. But no, like he's good enough. Class. He's good he's enough to get you class. there. Okay, but he's still not a private jet. He's yes, still not then a private put him jet. In first class, at least. Yeah. Yes, but it's you're still on essentially a bus, right? You're still on. With people oh, who went to Oklahoma State and they're seeing bad. ghosts no, and no, in no. the background and everything else, right? You get there, you think it's good, but here's the thing: OU fans are used to private jets, and that's why they don't think first class. Is I that get, great. I get where you're going at yeah. here, but then essentially the luxury drop off to the common folk is too big of a drop for this analogy to be good. But what I'm getting yeah. from you, Ty, is you're saying that this is a good option for you that is doing what we need to do. He is but he it's not, is like he's not a Heisman but which he is, we've always known. He is as perfect as you can hope or he's as perfect as you can expect from a college football quarterback when he gets to play within his skill set. And that's why I think and not just his skill set but like his like talent little his specific little use box that he's perfect in. Which is why, like, if if Dylan Gabriel ever has issues in a game going forward, beyond just, you know, pure stupidity, I will 100% think that it's Levy's fault if we're trying to use him outside. Look at how we used him in this game, right? How many how many big, deep balls did we try to throw with him? We had, like, that like one what? that was a bit of a gamble. It paid off for us. And then mm-hmm. other than that, we had some oh, deep we had shots. the Jaden Gibson one. Yeah, that's, that's what I just drop. mentioned. Yeah, but we had some deep shots. We weren't like. Well, I can think of two. Yeah, 
Okay, yeah, but like we were we weren't trying that all the time like you would with maybe different quarterbacks. Like we were employing him, we were setting up our scheme to where he would have the protection and the time and the plays to make the plays with the receivers that he has chemistry with in the situations that he has. And I mean, really, that's every you can't expect a world out of every quarterback, right? You couldn't try to employ, you know, Kyler Murray like you do Jalen Hurts to use an OU example. But yet in short, I've gone long on this. Yes, I think Dylan Gabriel is good enough to get this team, deservingly or not, to the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. I think we just got to only because of our schedule. Quote, quote, right? quarterback. Yeah, just, throw, just bury it. It's it. Yeah. Well, yeah. That well, that's what happens, right? If you're flying on private jets and then all of a sudden you're in first class on Delta, you kind of gotta forget that you used it, to fly on private look, jets it, that you can appreciate the free champagne, the Corbell. But mm, ultimately, that thirsty. That's the thing, though. Dylan Gabriel is a good quarterback. He what what he 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 is a difference maker when you put him in. Um, is he going to be the best quarterback we ever have? No, but. He he's still going to get you there, right? You guys are ignoring that but, part. Right, you guys but, are ignoring that part of the analogy. He's still going to get you there, right? But but at, the, at the at the but at the end of the day, like there's no question about it that he is the right quarterback right now um, over Jackson Arnold over anybody. That of conversation course. is That's dead, easy. gone, over. Yes, over. Okay, yeah, but you guys <laughs> are coming at me like I didn't. I said that, like I think like week two, right. I said, okay, I see that Gabriel is the right answer above Arnold. Yeah, but. Yeah, no, you know, no. Again, Levy sees Arnold and he thinks he's a fullback. So I don't know what's yeah, going on. That was that yeah. was just a bad take that they and scrapped, I, thankfully. Yeah, and I understand, like, you know, here's the thing. The 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 takes on Dylan Gabriel from last year, I, that's he wasn't quite there. He's not that mm-hmm. was, this quarterback that we're seeing that we saw on Saturday, not the same quarterback we saw last year. He's improved, he's gotten better. Um and I, but it, one thing is definitely for sure is he is absolutely uh, the right guy right now for sure. Mm. Incredible big time performance there. Um, and I don't want to dismiss it at all. He, he won us the game. Like we talked or he like with, without that performance, we wouldn't have won the game obviously because you know uh, you, you need that to do it, but he was the offense. He completely powered every facet of this and Obviously, there's a lot of contrast to last year where he wasn't available and we we're completely useless, but it was just an unreal overall performance from from Gabriel. Just just great. What do you think, Jameson? Yeah, let's let's play. Let's play a little game. Let's let's make some tiers of quarterbacks in college football. So obviously, Caleb Williams is in a tier by himself, right? You know, then what would you say? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's anyone on the same tier as Caleb Williams. I, I think there's you can I mean you can talk Michael Penix maybe, but he's not yeah. nearly as close. No, no, to, no. I think yeah. Caleb Williams is by himself. To the next yeah. tier below that, I'd say Michael Penix is in that tier. I yeah. would say uh, I would say Drake May is in that tier, and Go then next. after that, I Bo Nix maybe Bo Nix is, is not. Bo, no, I, I, I would. I'd say Bo Nix would be on the next tier in the same tier as Dylan Gabriel. Bo, y- yes, yes, yes. Bo Nix and Dylan Gabriel are exactly the same, Bo, except the Bo one Nicks. gets to play Pac-12 teams and has a massive. This is not even a bit. Has a massive like PR push behind him to make people think he's the next coming of God. I've seen Bo Nix play many games. He is not. I. He's, this season, I, though, this season, don't t- what you know about mm-hmm. Bo Nix of the past, throw mm-hmm. that away. 
Think Bo Nix these yeah, years. Yeah. Mm. I, mean, I mean, you have to throw He's got a bunch Auburn. of hype because he tore apart Colorado. I mean, he's just been doing it everything he's supposed to this season. Yeah. I think yeah. I think that Dylan Gabriel is in the same tier as yeah. Bo Nix, Dylan Gabriel, oh, uh, Jordan, I, Jordan Travis, and Quinn Ewers, I think are in that next tier. Am I, no, then no, he, Joe. I, I wouldn't put J.J. McCarthy there because I just don't believe in him that much, but I feel like that's the cutoff. Do you all agree there? Dylan Gabriel is legitimately better than Bo Nix. And I think that's a that's a. I, th- I think compliment. I think maybe maybe OU loses this game with Bo Nix because Bo Nix I think thinks that he is the like god at quarterback. It just doesn't perform the way that Dylan Gabriel did. But because, then, because I can Gabriel go on hater hypotheticals yeah. all day. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and yeah, I, I mean Gabriel playing within himself and knowing what to do. Yeah, that 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 definitely does help. Um, but I would agree with that. I, I think on his best days, you know, the, the the Dylan Gabriel we see we saw, you know, last Saturday against Iowa State, you know, if he keeps being that, if that is the rule rather than a, the exception, then yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, look, if we he don't is, see if we don't see another terms, SMU or Cincinnati game like from him, we'll be great. Yeah, to put it in OU terms, he he has achieved Landry Jones status for me. Right, he's he's not. That's great. With Brad, he's not with Bradford. He's not with OU Baker. He's not with Kyler. He's not with Jalen. But I think he has firmly cemented himself Landry Jones status, putting him obviously above Trevor Knight, Blake Bell, uh, well, Super Bowl champion Blake Bell. So you know that maybe has to be taken into account. Two time Super Bowl champ, right? Yes, best quarterback on that team both times. I will add. But you know, you can just plug any. You can plug Dylan Gabriel into that team, and they'd win the Super Bowl. So you could maybe even plug Bo Nix into that team, and they'd win the Super Bowl. I'd still put Landry above um, Dylan Gabriel just for longevity standpoint. But still, I, I think that's quite the confident um, compliment. Uh, yeah, let's most, let's move on. And, to... Yeah, right. Honestly, too. I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, anger in happiness that goes along with Landry Jones memories in my head, but let's move on. Let's just kind of talk about the rest of the offense. Uh, do we have anything to say about the run game? Because I think it just really was what we thought it was. And you could tell by the way Jeff Lebby played this, that he did not believe in his running backs. We've seen it and it's absolutely reinforced Dylan Gabriel getting 14 carries. Like you see on this graphic, Bobby, you know, showed and how many QB design runs and how many times he pulled the ball away from running backs shows that our running backs just ain't it. Yeah, Tolly Walker's a bowling ball whenever we get in short yardage situations, but who's going to get a breakaway, you know, carry that's going to put us, you know, 20 yards down the field? You're going to get that once every couple games. It's it's just we don't really have that breakaway speed playmaker can take a couple cuts and make a play anymore. And it's going to have to be Dylan Gabriel for the rest of the season. I, I need to go into, you know, some of the stats because was that Gabriel 44 yard run like the lar- long, longest run of the season? Because it kind of felt like it. I don't I don't think we've had a running back run that long. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll do it while y'all talk. That, yeah. that Tawi Walker one that got called back. Yeah, I think that one yeah, would have been, been more but... for sure. But like you said, it got called back, sadly, it, which I know we're capable of doing it. And I, I think you're right. Like, clearly. At this point, it is what it is. Uh, there's not going to be a running back that pops up out of nowhere and fixes everything. I will say Tawi Walker, clearly the best running back on the team. I thought yeah. he, 
I thought he was excellent given, you know, his circumstances and everything. And, but you know, he's not Adrian Peterson, DeMarco, DeMarco Murray, et cetera. He, he's not a feature back in the same similar sense as we, as we had in the past. Our number one rushing option is our quarterback. Yeah, which is not, you know, again, and I'm not trying to be anti Dylan Gabriel, but this is supposed to be more directed at the running backs. Dylan Gabriel is not a running, like what you would think of as a traditional run threat. He's just very good at reading, you know, again, playing within his skill set box and when something's open that is going to be better than attempting to throw the pass. He's very good at making that read. And that's why he can create these these situations. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think we did learn something from this game finally, because I don't think that you can say like, Oh, but it's just Texas. This is a very good Texas team. This is a Texas team that very well still could be. I, I think they're very firmly still in playoff contention, especially looking at, at some of these other teams this year. I mean, Ohio state, not oh, yeah. looking great. Uh, Georgia, you know, having taken a step back, I don't think Michigan is all that great. Um, who knows with what's going on in the pack, but this Texas team, you know, the path has been laid out for them. If we face them again in the big 12 championship and they come and win by two touchdowns, you know, which I don't think will happen, but they're not eliminated whatsoever, but we saw against, you know, uh, a world-class opponent, so to speak, that Tawi Walker is a better option. Cause we, I think we saw the same thing that we've seen against every other opponent from our running backs again, which is weird. Um, but you know, we're seeing a consistent product no matter who we play. Tawi Walker, I think, is just slightly better, you know, mostly because I think he's much better at yards after contact. Really, I, I started to notice that in this game was Marcus Major. You know, we kept making all these jokes about world record for most zero yard carries, and it's because you know, there's not a whole lot of yards after contact, whereas Tawi, I think, is just slightly better at that, even if he is slower, which I think is maybe why Marcus was getting. RB1 looks earlier on in the season because obviously if you're not doing full force hits and everything else in practice, someone can look a little bit better and then you find out in the game that, that one is better. Tawi Walker mm-hmm. also was pretty good uh, from the air in this one, mostly because he was able to run over or just take advantage of uh, Texas' up, secondary. That, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah that was yeah. a little it was bit. A low, it was a low a ball. Bit. It was a low ball. It was a low ball. You have you when, you, when you can yeah, get hands on it, without breaking your stride that's my metric for like he touched it with both hands without having to break his stride you have to catch that that's i will say this there is probably about a 50 50 percent chance in my head that if you would have caught that he would have fell down because it was too low and that could have that we had two seconds left you know that could have been bad but i got i I did the math i'm not the math i didn't do any math i went back through the stats um (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying. Guys, Math. I'm just my, my brain, my brain's turning <laughs> off. Um, so we hadn't had a 20 plus yard gain, even from Dylan Gabriel in the past three games. No, nothing over 20. Mm-hmm. And then the longest run by a running back this season was Tawi had a 30 yard run in the SMU game. And now that I see that, I remember it. So yes, we don't have explosion from our running backs. It's as simple as that. But maybe it just comes down to like the interior of our offensive line. It just aren't really creating the holes the offense needs. I saw Marcus Major miss on a lot of holes, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. It was really kind of disappointing. But I think we've got something to be concerned about for the rest of the season because McKay Mattire, even though people like to dog on him, he's been solid the whole year. Had an Mm -hmm. air cast come out for his um, for his probably a broken ankle. From I'm I'm assuming, anytime you see someone get put in an air cast, they pretty they're pretty sure it's broken. Um, so he should be out for the season. 
Savion Bird, I, I don't know where he is after this concussion. I, I Is it a concussion? I, I really don't know. Does anyone have any inside knowledge on this situation? This a, because this I can't a, find anything on it. I, yeah. I, is this a no, Mike McDaniel's concussions aren't real thing or no? I, I think <laughs> that I think that there's obviously we know with Savion Bird behind the scenes, there's some things that in terms of his character, I'm not gonna say character, that might not be the right word. And there's some things in terms of his help me out with the word here, not demeanor. work ethic. Hey, but Marcus demeanor. Major yeah, straight up forgot to word. register for classes one year. Well, so. that's different. <laughs> That's different. Savion Bird's demeanor has had raised some red, red flags. And whenever we were down on the guards, you know, we were shuffling people in, still didn't see Caden. I mean, we still didn't see Savion. Caden right. Green saved it at left guard because Troy Everett was just too small for guys like Tavondre Sweat. You right. know, we're going to have to have, you know, both of those guys. I think Savion Bird needs to come back in and re-implement himself now that we don't have McKay Matire because we need his strength in a way to move defensive linemen more than ever, because I don't know if we can handle it. If Caleb Schaefer and, um, and uh, Troy Everett are um, offensive guards. Right. Cause you know, like Everett is, uh, he's just the proper center, you know? Yeah. And that's, you know, at some point that size, you know, I, I don't think we'll have that issue against a lot of other big 12 teams. They're not as big as Texas, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, no. Um, what we're definitely going to need, uh, Savion Bird's strength there. Like he, yeah. I don't know if it's a, if it's a demeanor thing, if it's a low motor thing. You know, like I think uh, it's the like, low motor. There, that's like the, a better way to say like it. the you Perry Jones, the Perry Jones low motor. Issue. There you go. That's it. That's right. what I was looking for. Now go. we're clicking. There okay. we go. I, I think, Thunder I think folks, that's, you know that's a that's a great great um analogy. Um, so I, I bet you Caden Green probably is going to get the look at left guard for the rest of the season. I, the way he played in this game, he completely shifted things, you know, because Troy Everett was getting beasted. Troy Everett's very good technically, but the thing is, you know, playing with the big boys versus Texas, we knew he was going to get eaten for lunch. It's yeah. as simple as that. You know, whenever you come from Appalachian State, you know, you can do that kind of stuff. But here versus Texas, versus, you know, their whole defensive line, and middle linebackers were just absolute studs in high school, studs in college, and absolute monsters of human beings. We just can't have that. So I would not be surprised to see Caden Green play a lot more, if not be the starting guard, left guard for the rest of the season. I Look, sometimes the best way to get experience is to just be thrown into the fire. Good. And that's going to be the case with Caden Green. Uh, mm-hmm. And look, he's shown he's capable, I, I think. And like he's had a little bit of experience to kind of ease him in, but you know, um, I, I'm comfortable throwing him in there, you know, as a true freshman, you know, if he's performing like this, yeah, I'm in. They and believe in him. It's probably going to get easier from, from here in terms of your competition. I, I don't, are, are we going to see a tougher defensive line than Texas or Cincinnati? No, even? no, 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 <laughs> no chance. We'll, we'll see Texas a second time. That's what it's probably. Gonna be. Yeah. It's <laughs> going to be Texas again in December. And you know, like, like McCabe tower is probably, uh, Probably not uh, coming back. Uh, it, th- that was probably the last snap of his of his career, maybe. Um, just given how the severity of it, like you could kind of see the blood from the upper deck, so uh, it's pretty bad stuff. But um, anyways, um, yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, as the season progresses. Is that is seeing who comes in and fills that gap? Because Matire, you know, look again, he got got kind of trashed 
uh, throughout the season. People were upset when he got the starting job, but he was a serviceable, solid player for OU. Uh, and we're going to miss him at that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about wide receivers. Um, how about your boy, mm. Drake Stoops? Hey, you got any something? Come on. Hit us. There's with a the perfect five. segue, really, yeah. between the line and the wide receivers. Something that Jameson, I think, has to uh, to apologize for, in fact. The tight end play. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's an apology. I don't know. Because, I, because Jameson, I think Austin Austin Carter, Jameson started to show up. Finally. Zero receptions from the tight ends as an average throughout the season. Something like that. He had three catches for 24 yards. Why do I have to apologize for he that? He did have a bad drop, too. He played, he, he played good. He did, but the thing is, he's playing like so many snaps. He's playing like 90 plus percentage of the snaps every single game. Congratulations, Stogger. You got three catches for 24. You know, I still wish that we're playing, you know, Nick Anderson in that position with Jalil Farouk and Andrew Anthony on the side with Drake Stoops in the slot and just play four wide. Well, I mean, you need Stogner as a blocker, but it adds more versatility to your offense. When you're playing a tempo offense, you could have Austin Stogner be an extra blocker in the run package wherever the defense can't sub. I see why they do it. I really right. do and, see why okay. they do it. It just it just I, does handicap us a little in the passing attack. I was gonna say, right? I'm not gonna say anything negative about Dylan Gabriel. Okay. But I All know right. that Stogner is never option one on plays. Do you know how hard it is to get a single reception, let alone three, as not the first look in a Dylan Gabriel offense? I look, I, I feel I like you're saying. I see what you're saying. I, I feel like Stogner was was pretty soft. I think he was the first look in every reception that he that had. Was, but, that, yeah, I was I I yeah, I, I see what you're trying to get at here. You're trying to get under my skin. I'm just still upset with the tight end play this season. It, it's not it's not where it needs to be, but it was like a, this was a, a okay. small sign of life. It was a sign of life. All joking that it aside, kind of still exists. All joking aside, this was not where it needs to be. I know they've had touchdowns before. I think this was the best game that we've had from tight ends all season, just on the fact that they got more than one reception. I agree. So, Low congratulations, bar, I agree. tight ends. Here's your medal. <laughs> I agree. Low bar, but I agree. Um, I will say, you know, one thing you mentioned about tempo, Jameson. I thought our tempo completely threw Texas off. They, oh, they yeah. did not know how to play. They uh, knew it was coming. We just they oh, yeah. just couldn't keep up. Yeah, no, not at all. They they struggled mightily with that. Um, but poor yeah. Tavondre Sweat. I saw him just just he was like, do you know you know that that event where you can't jog but you got to do the speed walking. I saw him <laughs> oh, I know that. walking I know. down the field one time when, a, when an offensive walk. player. When an offensive player got by him, he was doing the, he's, or maybe like, you know, the lineman jog, you know, whenever oh, yeah. you're supposed to run around the track and you can't walk, but you have those people all the way far, like 200 meters down the track. You see them making the movements of a run, but it's not really a run. Like Devondre Sweat was gassed. Like he was, was truly sweat. I was gonna say uh running, but like you're in a you're in a dream running and you just can't like you're getting it on it. Just just try to do it, man. That's so funny. Oh man. Um but yeah, no, I thought it was a solid game from the receivers. I, I Farouk, man, what a performance man, from him. He's such a player. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing Ty brings up all the time and I fully subscribe to it is you never really know who the first option is going to be. Oh, this was go. a, what's that? 
right, we're gonna go and better be a number WR two. No, because I, no, 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 I no, can't. I, I, I'm not gonna make that one this pod because <laughs> OU legitimately doesn't have a WR one right now. So it, it's 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 a WR one by committee, and that's fine. And Farouk yeah. stepped up and showed like all of that promise that we've been hyping and wanting, and he he was excellent. Um, I I, I really liked Farouk there, uh, but yeah, let's talk about Drake Stoops, Mister Reliable, always there when you need him. Uh, obviously massive part of that last uh, touchdown drive, just completely eating Texas alive. I guarantee I'll say this. It, he doesn't get enough credit for his uh, time at OU Texas. But if you're, if I was a Texas fan, I'd be so glad that this guy is not coming back. Like he's done mm. like his six years are up uh, because Drake Stoops mm-hmm. consistently has been a thorn in their side. Yeah. It's well, honestly, I mean, it's just Jordan Shipley essentially. You know, it's Jordan Shipley, just like, you know, the way he just is consistently would just get catch after catch after catch versus us in OU Texas games. You know, Drake Stoops for them is he gets consistent catch after catch after catch. Absolute thorn. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And and on the point of Drake Stoops, if I remember right, our, our game winning drive was what, four receptions? Two of those were Drake Stoops. Um, yeah. And that's where basically all of his yards came from. Um, so I, I really thought we were about to see a Drake Stoops sort of, I mean, I think he was one of the heroes of, of the game, but you know, I, I kind of wanted to save this bit for last, but I, Nick Anderson, like this could not have been more of a, like setting it up for a sequel, like post credits scene. The fact that the young guy, the OU lineage, the you know next generation of great OU receivers following in. I, I would put Drake Stoops up there. You know, following in Drake Stoops, C.D. Lamb, Hollywood Brown. You know, even going back to sort of um, you know our generation and, and everything else. Like he's he's following in in those footsteps of those great receivers. And it was you could not have scripted a better sort of passing the torch of the receivers, especially like. What was it? Farouk gets the first catch. Drake Stoops gets the next couple. And then, you know, the way it was on TV, I don't know, Bobby, if you were able to watch the, the TV highlights, but uh, Nick Anderson was almost out of the screen. Like the way his route developed, you didn't really see him until the end. And uh, Jamison, you probably saw this too. Um, he ran when, into Stogner. When he, yeah. when he threw, yeah, when he <laughs> threw that pass, I thought he was throwing it away yep. to sort of Sawyer up there. And then all of a sudden Nick Anderson has it. And I was like, where did he come from? And it was not, it was a perfectly executed play and everything. It was just the cameraman or the camera angle they took uh, was a little confused by it. Same and thing. Just, yeah. Real time. I was like, okay, we're going to go to overtime. Like, I don't like this, but it's whatever. And then all of a sudden Nick Anderson had the ball. It, it was like a perfectly executed you know, I, I can't even describe the the level of sort of Easter egg, you know, almost to have him win the the game and be sort of the the passing of the torch. So first off, remember in the OU Texas preview, I said he had the chance of being a legend, and he he got he got the one he put the final dagger. Yeah. In. Well, uh, I will say, yeah, and in, in not to discredit your take, Bobby, but I, I think that in the OU Texas preview, we were thinking that he was going to have another multi-touchdown game. It was not that yeah. at all. I thought he was going to have like a seven, eight targets, you know, 100 yards, two touchdowns is what I sort of would have guessed his stat line to be. He was just non-existent. And then one reception, cool. one touchdown, the game winner, like 
was absolutely insane. But, but like Bobby, your your sort of backdoor cover on that take was uh, <laughs> could not have been more perfect. It's it's like if uh, in Game of Thrones they decided to make Bran Stark king. You know, like you don't think about that, and then like, oh wait, I guess there you go, there he is. Um, that's, you know, no, that's just a disappointment, know. though. An anchor, no, this was this was that twist, but fun. It was a, it was a good uh, twist. But fun. This is a tie level analogy no, 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 no. here. No, I, I would say you showed up out of nowhere. That's what I, I wasn't saying it was bad, like it was great. I loved yeah, it. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't even get the take. I've never no, seen Game it's, of Thrones. It's, it's, it, it's okay, Ty. You don't need to, it's okay. It's we can move horrible, on. Horrible okay, analogy. can I just, I, I do want to say though. <laughs> The it way would I be was, like it, it would, it would be like <laughs> look the way i watched it though was you know first of all panicked freaking out watching gabriel and you know you see him throw it and then just kind of following the ball and then there he is and you're just seeing it you're like oh god he's gonna catch it catches it immediately turned to my wife and it's just pandemonium man it was unreal um surreal experience we we have that that corner is good luck that's the same corner that um mm. that uh uh i'm blanking so bad kennedy brooks uh how's that uh touchdown to beat texas right a couple snap. years ago mm, that yeah was delightful stuff but yeah. yeah no i just what a what a what a catch just such such great stuff yeah i i was gonna say i i haven't felt this this maybe is a weird sort of analogy i haven't felt that way about an ou play like have given up hope and then just been so stunned by an ou play since like the money cut touchdown reception in in bedlam and that wasn't even the same level of of stakes like it was just the way that that entire thing ended was just like i keep saying it, it could not have been scripted any better for you know passing the torch obviously we're gonna have to face the the dragon of texas again i think later in the season in december um which again this has been my take all year just what is the funniest possible thing that could occur i started that take with you know colorado beating tcu was the funniest possible way for the season to open and then that occurred the funniest possible thing would of course be ou and texas in the big 12 championship at that point I hope with every fiber of my being that OU wins, but as long as it's us in the game, however it turns out in the long run, it'll still be okay. It's mm-hmm. worth it just for Brett Yormark to wake up knowing that he has to give one of us the trophy. Yeah, no way that happens. I <laughs> well, he has to be there. The, the best part I doubt it. Is, he really, he's not world, could you world imagine how bad it would be if he didn't show up to his own conference's championship game, Jameson? If I, I, I really, I really Dude, think there could be a possibility. No he's, way. he's been he's if, been so no, I don't think I I think he's gonna do something really petty though. I mean no, surely but he can't not show up. Uh, he'll funniest, be in the suite and never show up. The funniest so possible pathetic. thing. The funniest possible thing would be if the TV times worked out to where Greg Sankey could come to the game and be spotted sideline. He wouldn't, obviously, he would not get to hand out the trophy or anything, but the level of trolling to that is unmatched. Unmatched. (laughs) If if the SEC commissioner could come see his two new teams, Uh, sadly, I think that's sideline pass for both. If if the SEC one, it's probably probably two thirty, like it always is. I know we know the Big Twelve ones at eleven a.m. because of course it is. Woo! Uh, so. Dude, even here's even if he could just show up like 
the first quarter of the game and then hop on a jet out of Dallas and make it to Atlanta. Like it, it's possible, right? It would be the funniest. I need to start DMing Greg Sankey and get him to Greg, Greg Sankey uh, like rappels down from Jerry, the Jerry world roof <laughs> <laughs> to the, to the bulls intro music. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's put a bow on this offense by giving game balls and calling it a pod. Um, game ball offensive wise, it's Dylan Gabriel. It's the easy answer. It's the right answer. The way he led that last minute drive, the way he made big plays whenever he needed to, especially on his legs. Did he make every throw perfectly? No, that's fine. He made the plays that he needed to whenever he was put up on that pedestal. And you've got to be absolutely over the moon that we have a guy that's playing to the level that he is this season. He stepped up, he's became a leader and he's not afraid anymore. And like you said, at the beginning of the podcast, Bobby, we needed that so, so much out of him. And I believe in him as our fearless leader. Yeah, no, I mean, it's Gabriel. Um, He was the offense across the board, orchestrated everything, stepped up when we needed him to step up, um, made plays when we needed him to make plays and he was un unshaken by all of it and I, I for a guy to just step into an OU Texas like that it's for his first go unreal um incredible stuff from DJ uh, game ball absolutely incredible stuff it, it, he's an OU Texas legend now you know we, we will be talking about this guy forever because of that because of that play because of his play in, the, in this game um that's the stuff that's the stuff that legends are made of that performance yeah, Dylan Gabriel will not play in a game bigger than this until a couple years from now when he's on the practice squad at Tampa Bay and gets to play against Baker before he's cut preseason. But wow, that's impressive. I have to give it to squad. right. Here's here's how I think of. Um, I was kind of hoping for a bigger reaction. <laughs> you know you want to pick Stogner. You know you want to pick Stogner. No, okay, that would not. be. I will. I will end you. That, that would not be the funniest thing. The funniest thing would maybe be trying to justify some sort of like Greg Sankey is, is the game ball. Or giving it to like it's so of, hard to, to find a reason to, not to pick DG. No, 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 I'm not right. I have a legitimate, um, or, or trying to give it to one of the food items or something like that. <laughs> the the, the fruity pebble right. pickle gets the game ball. It was, it was uh, robbed of its moment in the sun. Look, here's, I've been, I've been doing game balls and I've, I've shown my cards. I've shown my hand a couple of times. Uh, this season, but I, I have a bit of a different strategy with some of the game balls and I want to use them. Like I said, like investments, I, like you guys said, right. Dylan Gabriel is by far the top dog. I think he's the MVP of the game, but I think about game balls like investments, you know, Dylan Gabriel, he's at the highest his stock price will ever be. I think, you know, maybe it goes a little bit higher, five, $10 higher when he wins the big 12 championship against Texas again, you know, and we'll see what happens after that. But I think a guy that you can, and I've said this earlier, if you're looking at someone's stock price, I tried to sort of invest in the stock price a little bit earlier in the season. Obviously not when he was, he was already on people's radars, but Nick Anderson again. And the way I think about it is if I say that I'm going to be like, this guy is the next like big dude and I give him a game ball and he turns out to be a bust, maybe no one's going to remember but if he does turn out to be really good, then I can always point back to this. So once again, I'm going to go with Nick Anderson. I understand that it was one reception, one touchdown. D- 
Dylan Gabriel, right, was the MVP of the game, but my game ball is going to go to Nick Anderson. Okay. I would okay. I would have came at you if you wouldn't have said that MVP thing. I get that. I get that. He made the he made a big play. He made the big play when he. Made I would it. argue that Nick Anderson's stock is extremely high right now, and it's been high for the past couple yes. weeks. And I don't think it's yeah, but but a couple weeks ride. ago, a couple weeks ago, I gave him a game ball against the grain as well. So I, I'm sort of I'm sort of increasing my position uh, that I had already established in the okay. Nick Anderson stock. That's fair. Sure. That's fair. And to be fair, to my credit, I did shout out Nick Anderson as one of the potential ones. Uh, just because I, you know, have a bit of a history with Rodney and and wanted to see him do well. So yeah, Rodney's a good dude, man. Great dude. Um, but anyways, let's 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 uh, wrap wrap this thing up. So, um, look, going into a bye week, a great time for that. I love it. Kind of like we get a bit of an intermission in the season, you know, uh, after just a thrilling, you know, into the first half. Uh, and before we before we go, I want to ask, what is the ceiling of this team? You know, what next? What what can we what realistically can this Oklahoma team accomplish? That's that's a great question. And it really comes down to, you know, I think they can I, I'm pretty sure that they can make the college football playoffs because pretty much all it is is if they just do what they're supposed to do and then they win another big one in the Big 12 championship game. That's the question is, can they go farther than that? Can they win a playoff game? And I look at the rest of the college football atmosphere right now, and if we go undefeated, we should be the number two seed in college football. Correct. And that should make us avoid a Georgia. And Georgia showed versus Kentucky that they're just the same old Georgia. After that, you know, like, actually, you know what? There'd be a con- Maybe we might be the three. You know, yeah, uh, we're not, I, I we're, think we might, we might not be, the, what I'm saying is we're not going to be the four if we, if we make the right defeated. That's what I'm trying to get at because Michigan, yeah. Michigan, you know, would be the two. Um, I, the or, fact or that, Ohio, the fact that the Ohio winner, State, yeah, Ohio State, Michigan, they don't have to replay that one because they have divisions. Mm-hmm. The big 10 bias is going to put them at two, I think maybe even one. I think, I think I, I, yeah, obviously I'm biased, but I think beating Texas twice is better than being um, Ohio state versus. Well, if Ohio state beats Michigan, right. I think Ohio state can hang their hat on. uh, I don't know. I, I get I get the argument. I, I think we'd be number three. What I was trying to get out with that point, which I didn't communicate well enough, is I don't think we're going to be four. And I think that we have a legitimate chance versus a team like Michigan or Ohio State. So I think our ceiling is a national championship appearance right now. In Houston, which would be... At that point, we're screwed. At that point, we're screwed because we're playing in NRG Stadium and nothing good can happen. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Look, at least we can just blame it on the stadium instead of instead of already making hedges. Our our internal hedges are. That's not an internal hedge. We just it's just reality, Jameson. You and I know. You and I both know know what happens there. I know. It's never gross. It's gross. And the stupid little overhang that I was sitting under, I couldn't even see the jumbotron. (laughs) (laughs) No, I. I think I, I mean yeah I, I'm with you though I think I think the ceiling is uh, is a national championship appearance with luck if you end up against Michigan or an Ohio State um, that one you know it, the the way the CFP semis are this year it's Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl so you're essentially getting you're not geographically too disadvantaged unless you're in I guess New Orleans against Georgia 
I think that's about a split, though. But here, here's the, there's a possibility that um, you know we could see a Penn State beat a Michigan and a Michigan beat right. Ohio State, and you know we'd see a Pac-12 team go undefeated, and it would be Pac-12 versus Big 12, two three. I mean, I give me a Pac-12 team for sure. I'm cool with that. Um, mm-hmm. Then we'd have Rose Bowl. Yeah, Rose Bowl. I think two three. You're in the Rose Bowl. I, I like to go ahead and say versus that. a Pac-12 team. Is what I'm saying in terms of geog- geo- geographical disadvantage. Fair, yeah. Well, I, okay, yeah. I think that's fair, but I think I think we, I think overall OU travels just as good as anyone. I think they would out travel mm-hmm. Washington, Oregon, etc. But you're right, you're right. Yeah, that's fair. It'd be close. Uh, yeah, I think it would be close. Yeah, I think you're right. You're, if we did end up with Pac-12, that would be a geographical disadvantage, to say the least. Um, but Rose Bowl, you know, ro- it feels like the Rose Bowl is the best case scenario. Um, Unless we somehow get one and play a Big Ten team in NOLA. No That's just not happening. That's There's casting. no chance we're one. Um, no, no. We, we don't have the strength of schedule for it. Like, even with another Texas, we wouldn't have that. Um, no. But ultimately, it comes down to taking care of business and beating Texas at the end. You know, probably Texas at the end. You know, you can make an argument for West Virginia, you know, for with their, you know, their skills. But, you know, we have them on the schedule as well. And I just don't see them, you know, making that run. Um it's just clearly going to be Texas. Uh, I think, I, I think OU makes that run. It's OU Texas. And I think our seal or our floor is, I mean, I guess, yeah, our, our, our floor, our, our disaster would be missing the big 12 championship, but I think our floor is probably, you know, losing the big 12 to Texas and getting in the getting into a uh, New Year's six bowl. That's probably the realistic floor. A two loss season. Yeah. Two loss season. Ty. I do have a so a quick a quick point on geography. Um, it, it, the West Coast is is massive. Um, I just ran these numbers. OU is not significantly farther. I understand you're talking about like alumni go to certain cities and and it becomes sort of easier for them to travel. But if you're talking about say the University of Washington playing OU in the Rose Bowl, if you're just looking at geographic distance, it's pretty close to a neutral side game. A, the University of Washington really? is as far from LA as Elk City, Oklahoma is. So, you know, you're talking wow. about maybe an hour more uh, if you're looking at a drive um, on the roads. So it's don't drive know, that drive, people. It's not fun. No, I, 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 drove, I, I drove Norman here to Scottsdale, <laughs> and it is, uh, it's where Route 66 is cool, but it's rough. Once you get outside of Texas, um, it's, it's not not a good place. A lot of cacti and sand. I surprisingly, there's not really any any cacti in, on Route 66 until you get like 30 minutes from the Phoenix Metro. Okay. Um, elevation has something to do with that. Anyways, huh. um, is it my turn? Yeah, it's definitely your turn. Okay. Yes. Okay. So skip. The, the floor. <laughs> <laughs> the floor I, I'll never forget. I skip. I, I had a, a long running disinformation campaign trying to convince people that skip went to y'all's high school um still still (laughs) ongoing i might start that up again um (laughs) i used to use that against our friend andy all the time um i think i think the ceiling for this ou team is again losing the big 12 championship and then losing whatever bowl that would entail um i think if we i think I, i think we win 
No, the floor. The floor. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So uh, sorry. Sorry. No matter what. I'm sorry. The floor, the absolute floor, I think, realistically for this OU team is losing the Big 12 championship and then also losing whatever bowl we end up in. I think realistically we win our bowl um, no matter what. I will say, right, and this is I'm surprised that I'm taking the more OU Homer take on this than, than Bobby is. I'm a big like look at what the other guys are putting out on the field and then look at what you're putting out. And I, this is not just because of this game. This OU team is not the best OU team in the past 10 years. It's not the best OU team in our lifetimes. I think if they have a little bit of Sooner Magic, because I don't think we used any this past week, and if we have a little bit of Sooner Magic and we get in the right games because we make our own luck, just because Georgia has taken a step back, Kirby Smart's already hedging, saying everyone in the SEC should be ranked, which is absurd when you're putting up a stinker against Mark Stoops in Kansas, um, you know, Oregon, I'm not convinced that they're legit because everything that they've done is based on beating a, a Colorado team that barely beat an Arizona state team that got spoked by Oklahoma state. Yeah. Uh, Texas, we already know is beatable. Ohio state does not look that great. No one should ever believe in Michigan in spite of what they did against Ohio state the past couple of years. You know, who else is there? You know, LSU is not good. Notre Dame is not, you know, good. Alabama is, you know, better now that they've figured out their quarterback situation. I'm not sure what Saban was thinking, but mm. I think the absolute ceiling, I'm not saying this is going to happen, maybe less than 5% chance that this is plausible. We could win a national championship. Less this than 5% year. is a hell of a percentage. You're saying that's yeah, 20 but, to 1 odds. So it could be point, it could be point zero 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 one, right? It's yeah. not it, the chances of us winning a national championship this year, I think, are not zero. And that's in part because a lot of the other incumbents that have been there have taken a big step back. And if we can just keep our heads down and do the right thing. I think we'll require a bit more luck than we did this past week to beat Texas again in December. And I don't want to jinx us, you know, knock on some wood here, but realistically, right. I, I don't think, I hope we win a playoff game is, is realistic. Cause like you said, there's all sorts of scenarios that play out. I think we stay at three because of sec and big 10 bias. I think Georgia can continue to win every game by three and they would still probably stay at one unless Ohio state wins. I think Michigan is kind of stuck at two. Um, but you know, if, if Michigan, Ohio state, if the big 10 kind of cannibalizes, um, I think we could see a number two OU, maybe number three OU avoid Georgia. I would maybe be a little bit less worried about Georgia than maybe even some of the big 10 teams, Whoa. but, um, I see, cause like realistically, I, I don't think we have the offense for the offense to carry it. This is not a Dylan Gabriel jab, mm -hmm. but I, I, I would be more worried about a team that we could get in a shootout in you know, like, like a Washington or like someone that has a lot of offensive prowess than Georgia that just hasn't, you know, they haven't been that impressive. So mm. uh, I've gone kind of long on this, but um, I think the absolute, absolute ceiling not to jinx it is win, not show up, but win a national championship. I think that's fair. I just think with Georgia's get like, I just personally am a little bit, quite a bit higher on Georgia than I, than I think you are. Um, Cause I think, I think they're, 
they're they're kind of sleepwalking early. They bounced back in a big way against Kentucky, just swamped them. Don't have a lot of tough games left. Um, they have to play like at Tennessee. I think uh, Florida has not been great, you know, in the cocktail party. I just feel like Georgia has the guys that if you if you run into them, I think that's where the line ends. Um, I, I mean, I think we can beat any team in the country, but probably Georgia. That's probably the. That's I, the I just, yes. I think, I think this is a rare time, and in this hypothetical, OU's only going to have two games against the same team to hang their hat on. Which obviously there should be an asterisk there, but in the hypothetical that you have an OU versus Georgia postseason game, I think you can say that Georgia ain't played nobody ball because. Tennessee is not looking good. Ole Miss is not looking good. It can, mark my words, Kentucky will be a four-loss team by the end of the season. You might and then right. you're hanging your hat on what, you know, they beat Spencer Rattler and, and USC, the real USC, Southern Southern Carolina, who hasn't been anything good since their star tight end left and came to OU, even though he's been widely disrespected at OU <laughs> by some on this pod. But Yeah, I – Look, that's obviously way too far in the future. There's a whole half of a season to go. But this will be our bye week. I think. What's that? Our bye week pod will be hypothetical (laughs) OU versus Georgia Natty. Who wins? We'll just we'll we'll just start our college football playoff preview. What could go wrong? (laughs) Um, Because yeah, we. I mean, shoot. Let's get tattoos. We lost content. (laughs) Boys, damn! <laughs> if we needed to run to OU Texas back, you know that you know that might not go the right way. I but I think they're still like that was not a fluke. That was a legitimate Texas effort. Uh, I think OU can. It, I think OU can play with anybody. And here's the thing that's scary about it. The thing that's exciting about it. This isn't even the final product yet. We don't have our five-star linemen coming in yet. We don't have David Stone. We don't have all of the pieces yet of the project that Brent Venables is creating. And the fact that this is a possibility to make our playoff run is pretty – I mean, that that says a lot about where this project is, how quickly the culture has changed, how quickly the defense has changed, and – it's exciting for the future overall. Uh, regardless of what happens this season, the best is yet to come. I, come, I think. Yeah, sorry, I was mid yawn. I, I think this was a great pod, Bobby. I think we should cut it off at an hour and twenty-seven. Hey, that game deserved an hour twenty-seven. I no, think. it did. It did. <laughs> but no, I'm with you, Jameson. I think that's that's a wrap. Tie. Uh, final thoughts. Yeah, once again, because I I keep getting dogged on for this, but I can change. Dylan Gabriel is absolutely, I think, the best quarterback for this OU team currently. I mean, look at it, right? Who wins national championships at Alabama? Not the good quarterbacks, not the one that wins Heisman's. You know, who wins at Georgia? You know, arguably, maybe the best ones that to, Brent must arguably like their girlfriend. That's the ones who win. <laughs> arguably, wow, I would say at the, her. The, best, <laughs> the best quarterback. I would say, arguably, the best quarterback that's ever played college football since Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, we're not going to mention his name because we don't want to still Dylan Gabriel's thunder, but sometimes it's better to win a national championship if your quarterback is just kind of eh, so. Yeah. Hey, look, we've had a lot of great quarterbacks at OU, and Josh Heupel's the one who won the last one. So exactly, he, exactly. He wasn't Once again. bad, but he's not Bradford. He's not you know some of the best we've had, like not Baker or Kyler or Jalen. Well, so you never I, know. You, you never know. know. 
We don't need to get Florida. Florida should be stripped of their national championship. Time will tell. Time will tell. We should have beaten Florida. Anyways, that's that's a that's a, that's an off season pod right there. Jameson's about to no collapse. Demarco he, Murray. He, Jameson one hundred percent has an early morning, and we are keeping him. Up. I I I worked this morning too, so I'm oh just, no, I'm just <laughs> dude, that's a tough turnaround. All right, hey, thank you all so much for watching um, our OU Texas Red River recap, um, and thank you to those of y'all who have listened with us all week long. It has been a, just an awesome time to just put out a ton of content. We had a blast. This is, I believe, our what our fourth episode in a week going back to Iowa State we, recap? We did fu- we did four last week. Yeah, so, so this is number five in the span of a week. Yeah, we did we did the Iowa State recap. We did the Texas right. pre- preview. We did the the State Fair preview, and we did the weekend spread. And then this is number mm. five. Yeah, so we have been putting out a ton. We are excited for a little bit of a break, but um, we'll be subscribe, back. Subscribe, like, like, like this video, help us with the algorithm. Yeah, like, subscribe, help us with the, help us help us with the YouTube overlords. We'd love it. And if you like it, you don't like the show, tell your friends. We'd we'd love to uh, continue growing the pod. Um, it's been fun. And if you and don't like it, hate on us in the comments. Exactly, because we like that too. It's always funny. Um, yeah, great. See, I I think we have a really special football team, really special season ahead of us. So stay tuned. We're just going to keep pumping out great content, exciting stuff to say the least. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday for the weekend spread with Boat and Blake picking. Uh, yeah, because look, we don't the weekend spread doesn't take weeks off. No bye weeks for us. Um, and then we'll be back next Sunday to do a. A bit of a brief UCF preview, but not 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 a ton there. But uh, thank you all so much for all of your uh, patr- patronage and you know viewership. We'll see you soon. Have a good bye week, everyone. Take a good rest and boomer sooner. I don't want to say beat Texas because we just did. Have a good weekend, everyone. Damn, you cut me off.